When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff and today I'm here with Aaron and Greg to talk about mountain bike dropper posts. So you may have heard about dropper posts if you don't already have one. So we want to talk about what they are and the advantages and disadvantages. So I thought I would start off by asking, what is a dropper post? Basically, it's a height adjustable seat post. So instead of your standard straight post where if you wanted to lower it, you'd have to hop off and use a tool. This is a post with a remote and you hit a button and the post drops. So pretty self-explanatory, but that's that's the long and short of it. Yeah. So the way that I like to explain them is that they're basically like your your chair in the office, you know, where you can like pull a little lever and, you know, take your weight off it and the the way I like to explain it is that it's like your chair in an office, you know, where you pull a lever, take your weight off the chair and the chair goes up. And then if you're sitting on the chair and you pull the lever, chair goes down. So that's basically how dropper posts work. There's obviously a lot of springs and air pressure and all kinds of things inside there that are working behind the scenes to make that happen. But that's the gist of it. And most dropper posts are going to have some kind of remote where you can easily press the button from your handlebars. Although some of the older models did have like a little lever where you'd have to reach down below your seat to actually raise the seat up or lower it down. So what are the advantages? Why are people running these dropper posts on their mountain bikes today? So the main advantage is that you can easily drop your posts on the fly without having to get off your bike, which in turn um, provides more room for you to move above the bike and for the bike to move below you. Now, what can you do with that extra room? Because your seat's not in the way. One thing you can do is you have more room for the bike to navigate technical features like drops, rock gardens, jumps. And when you're going through some of this where the bike is moving around a lot, the best thing to do is keep your torso still as you're flying through these rocks. But you know, dropping the post allows more room for the bike to move below you without your torso having to move. So that makes you smoother and more confident through those sections. You can also possibly get low over the bike at high speeds, get a little bit more aero if it's smooth. But I think possibly the biggest benefit is allowing the bike to lean in the corners below you. So if you have your post all the way up, um, that sort of forces your body to lean, which throws off your center of gravity. But if your post is down, you can lean the bike, again, independent of your torso. So your torso um, moves through the turn more, not straight because you're turning, but in a fluid line, whereas the bike is leaning further than your torso itself. So it's a bit hard to explain in a podcast, but I think we've written a few articles and published several videos from various sources on cornering. And usually they discuss you know bike leaning and how that works. But a dropper post having your posts out of the way allows you to properly lean a bike and you can't do it with your posts all the way up. So some people do say, you know, Hey, I can just drop my post at the top of the descent, but with a dropper post, you can drop it and raise it many times throughout the ride, making you more efficient and making your ride 
so you don't have to stop every single time you want to adjust that. So yeah, more fun. Right. I think the, uh, the main, the main takeaway, like, I don't know if you said it exactly, but it's, it allows you to get your center of gravity lower, which just, as you said, allows you to corner better and faster, which is probably the most fun part of mountain biking. Yeah. And the obvious thing to me, the time that I realize I need one, cause I actually don't have a dropper post on any of the bikes that I own. But for me, it's like when I'm on really steep stuff, um, and I'm, I'm trying to lean way back on the bike and, that's when I realize how high my seat is. And so having a dropper lets you get farther behind the saddle um, when you're you know, doing really steep stuff as well. So what are the disadvantages to having a dropper post? Well, one of the big ones is weight. Obviously, it's a lot more complicated than your standard straight uh, aluminum or carbon fiber post. So the weights vary wildly depending on which model, but it's you know, essentially you're going to be adding the better part of a pound to your bike over a, a standard post. So that is a concern for a lot of people, but I think the benefits of a dropper outweigh that. But again, it is one of the disadvantages. Cost, they're not cheap. We'll, we'll talk in a second about the, the price range, but uh, they are going to cost significantly more than a, a regular post, even a really nice, you know, Thompson masterpiece or again, like a carbon fiber post is going to cost significantly less than a dropper and they're complicated um, there's various mechanisms inside the posts uh, some of them are hydraulic some of them are mechanical some of them are a combination of the two and it adds complication for sure um, adds complication to your bike it adds you know it's, it's another thing that could possibly go wrong they are not always the easiest to to set up initially as i found i mean both with uh, hydraulic models and mechanical models you know, especially when you're talking about having to, uh, you know, a lot of frames use internal routing and that can be really a kind of a pain in the butt to route anything internally if you've, if you've ever had to do that. So those are, uh, those are kind of the main disadvantages to the, to the dropper. Yeah. And to be clear, I mean, that sounds like a lot of disadvantages, but for most riders, most people who've tried them, um, the advantages far outweigh those sort of obvious disadvantages. So, I know you guys are both really big fans, Greg and Aaron. Yeah, and if if you guys are listening and you have not read uh, my over a beer column about why dropper posts are the number one upgrade that makes mountain biking more fun, definitely be sure to check out that article as well. Yeah, yeah. That sums up my opinion in pretty short. Yeah, that's good stuff. So, all right, people are convinced, they're sold that they need a dropper post. How much are these posts typically going to cost people? So there's one outlier post on the low end that is the KS E10 that has a $150 MSRP and you can often find it for less online. And that's the very low end of the spectrum. But you know, anytime we talk about bike component, there are three factors. There's cost, there's weight, and there's durability. And you can't get all three of those factors, you know, low cost, high durability, and low weight at the same time. And, uh, the KS E10 definitely sacrifices on the weight end to get the cost low. So it is significantly heavier than any other post on the market. But if you're strapped for cash, it's a good option. And then they the posts tend to top out at about $500 on the high end. And that's, I think the Thompson posts are some of the most expensive on the market. And then most of the posts, the general bulk of them sort of cluster around the $300 to $400 range. Yeah, I think Thompson actually did lower their 
uh, MSRP on their post recently, but it's still in the high 400s. I think it's 479 instead of 499 or something, or 529, whatever it was originally. So it's still very expensive. Okay, so posts are going to range from about 150 bucks to 500 bucks. So which posts do you guys recommend sort of within that range? What are the ones that you've tested and that you found to work really well? So, I mean, I've written a lot of posts. Um, I would say, though, that like, let's say your if your bike comes with a stock dropper post, I mean, chances are good that it's going to work pretty well for you. They've gotten much better in recent years. So especially if you buy a newer bike and it comes with a dropper, I mean, odds are good it's going to work well. And I wouldn't recommend, you know, upgrading or replacing until something breaks or it's not working right. Probably the most widely used and widely spec dropper post. I mean, maybe that's, I think that's probably true is, uh, the RockShox reverb. And at, most people have used these. And, um, in the past, you know, they were pretty good, but they did have some long-term durability issues. I had a reverb that I had to warranty, I think three times. But in my most recent warranty, RockShox hooked me up. They sent me a brand new reverb that they've totally redone the internals on. And while I've only been running it for a few months, I have to give it a thumbs up. Uh, it feels like it has crisper actuation than the old reverb. It slams into place on the top end and stays there. It has less play to the post, but only time will tell on the long-term durability. Yeah, I would definitely agree that the reverb is the probably most specced post out there. And it's kind of unique in that it's fully hydraulic, meaning that not only are the internals hydraulic, but the remote is hydraulic as well. Whereas most posts have typically have hydraulic internals, but they're mechanically actuated. So the remote, you use basically a shifter cable, but with the reverb you use, uh, it's a hydraulic line. They're a little more finicky kind of to get set up. And the first reverb I had was great. I had it for three years and I bled it one time in three years and had no problems. And then I ended up um, sending it in rebuild and they were like, oh, well, we'll just, we'll get you a new one because this one's like the first generation. And the second one did not last very long, unfortunately, but uh, I just got one of the the brand new revised reverbs like uh, like Greg and I've only had it about a month, so I can't really speak to uh, any long-term durability, but it was it was a lot less finicky to set up than the older one and you know, so far so good. So hopefully that continues. But as far as other recommended posts, I would say probably the second most specced post is the KS Lev. There's a, several iterations of this too, or several versions, but one of the most common is the Lev Integra, and that is the internally routed. So that's when the, the cable for the remote is actually routed through the frame itself. And I've had mixed results with them. Some have been flawless. I, you know, they worked great out of the box on a test bike and didn't give me any problems. And I boxed it up and sent it back, you know, no issues. And then I've had others where I've constantly had to fiddle with the, the cable tension to get it to drop because it either would not drop all the way or it wouldn't stop dropping. So kind of mixed uh, opinion on the KS Lev, I would say. Uh, the Thompson is known to be like a very smooth and reliable post. I've, I've ridden it on some friends' bikes and Several of my buddies here locally have it and have had really good luck with reliability. But again, the Thompson is one of the more expensive options and it's also one of the heaviest options. But, you know, as Greg was saying, you know, you can't always get, uh, you know, all three things that you want. It can't always be light and cheap and durable. So then you have Fox, you know, their old DOSS post was really reliable, but it had 
the most ridiculous remote you've ever seen in your life. It was, uh, I don't, I'm not quite sure how that thing ever made it off the drawing board, but, um, it was extremely reliable post, but they've since scrapped that one and they've announced a new post, which they call the transfer, which, you know, if it's anything like their old post should be very reliable as well. And it's, um, a little more affordable. So they have two versions of it. They have a Kashima coded version. If you, you want your post to be all blingy. And that one is $379 with the remote. And then they have an all black version, which is a little bit cheaper at $329 with the remote. Then some others you have 9.8. It's a Canadian company and that's an all mechanical post. So even the internals are mechanical. There's no hydraulic fluid or anything inside of it. And I've not ridden one of these, but one of our, our buddies we ride with has one here in Atlanta and he's, he hasn't had any issues with it and kind of to, uh, maybe, Kind of as an endorsement for the 9.8, Easton and Raceface actually licensed the technology from 9.8 for their posts. So, you know, now Raceface and Easton are part of the same company under Fox as well. So now they all, all three of them are now offering a dropper post. So there's a Raceface post, an Easton post, a Fox post. And then you get into, you know, bike manufacturers doing their own posts as well. Giant does their own post, Specialized does their own post, and uh, Bontrager just announced that they're doing a post this year at Sea Otter. And that one actually looks, it looks great. It looks slick. You know, I, I just got to play around with one on a stand, so I didn't get to ride it or anything. But it, you know, it looks solid, very simple internals, and it retails for $300. So kind of one of the more affordable dropper post options. So as far as recommendations, I do want to give a shout out to any remote that the specific name that KS gives it is a Southpaw remote, but the Specialized Command Post has a similar remote. And essentially, this is a remote that works like a shifter lever. And you can only use such a remote if you're running a 1x system. Um, so like a 1x11, 1x12, etc. And it mounts in place of the left lever. And it's really intuitive and easy to use since you're used to shifting. Whereas uh, the RockShox Reverb has a button and you have to press a button. There are a few or one or two potentially similar shifter lever style aftermarket upgrades you can make on the RockShox Reverb, but you can't get one from RockShox. So that's a plus um, for many people for the KS and the command post and a few others like that. Very true. And you can also, there's plenty of videos out there. If you have an old uh, front shifter banging around, you can... Uh, either Shimano or SRAM, and you have a mechanically actuated post, you can actually uh, hack your shifter and turn it into a uh, dropper post remote because who uses front shifters anymore? <laughs> yeah, those are the bottom of the dustbin. So it sounds like sounds like there's a lot of choices out there right now. It seems like it's a good time to be a dropper post buyer. I know at this point we're probably sort of in the second generation, most companies that you're going to be looking at. So I know companies like Crank Brothers have had dropper posts in the past, and then they kind of take them off the market. I think you mentioned Fox as well. And most of these companies, though, are on version 2.0 or some of them even their third version. So, you know, if you've shied away in the past from dropper posts due to, you know, maybe what you've read or heard about some of those early dropper posts, now's definitely the time to, you know, get back into the market and start looking at the options that are out there. So I wanted to ask you guys, are dropper posts suited to a certain style of riding? Is this something that everybody is going to want? Or is this something that just, you know, sort of more aggressive riders need 
um, because they're, you know, riding more downhill or whatever. So I think maybe it's easier to, to define who doesn't need a dropper post. And I would say there are very few types of mountain bikers that don't need dropper posts. The one type that where it's probably not going to be very useful is like straight gravel grinding where you're sitting on the saddle the entire time and straight gravity riding where you're going downhill the entire time and you don't want your saddle up whatsoever. Um, so if you're doing like gravity shuttle rides or something of that nature, riding at a ski resort, I would say everything in between every other rider in between those two extreme ends would probably benefit from a dropper post at some time or another. I would agree with that. I mean, there's probably going to be some people who are super weight weenies. Maybe the dedicated hardcore cross country racer is just, you know, you, you spend all this time and money trying to drop weight off your bike. You're not going to want to add a significant amount in the form of a dropper post. But even at the world cup XC level, you're starting to see riders choose to use droppers, at least for certain courses that are really technical. So I think um, as the reliability gets better, as the weights come down, really, I, I think you'll just see more and more people using them. But yeah, I think there are very, very few mountain bikers who wouldn't benefit from using a dropper. Yeah. And I think a good example of that is just the fact that even road bikes are starting to experiment with dropper posts. So they drop a little bit less, but you know, even those riders have found that time they're able to make up on descents and, you know, sort of improving their handling more than makes up for, you know, the little weight penalty that you do have. I would say maybe too, maybe fat bikes don't need them, but then again, I'm just imagine, you know, people that are fat biking, particularly in the snow where again, like you're just kind of pedaling the whole time. Um, and you don't really need to adjust your saddle position. One possible thing that would negate, you know, would speak against using a dropper on a fat bike is that some of the hydraulics can get sluggish in the cold, especially the reverb, since it's hydraulic actuated and has hydraulic internals. And those do get sluggish in the cold weather if it's really cold outside. But I have ridden on my fat bike some, uh, snowmobile trails are like turned into whoops which i actually end up getting some significant air on which it's a little scary with your post all the way up <laughs> so you know there's applications but there's downsides to using them in extreme cold temperatures too depending on the specific post yeah good point so one final question are dropper posts for more advanced riders or should beginners consider them as well is this something that maybe people grow into or is it something that would be really good to start with? So again, I think, you know, they can probably help all riders. However, you know, we do have to mention that there is an extra level of complication with having another button to push another thing to remember what, when you're riding, I have thrown a couple of riders, some of my, you know, dropper equipped bikes that aren't, you know, familiar with mountain biking and explain it to them, but it seems to add another level of complication, another thing for them to think about that, tends to put them over the top. I see that a lot of beginners already have a difficult time processing everything that's going on, including bike handling, shifting, pedaling, braking, etc. So as such, I would say it's probably not a great idea for first rides, but hopefully early on they can add it in there. Yeah, that's a good point. It is it is one more thing to remember. And there is some timing. You know, there is some skill that that goes into it because you you, know, you have to be looking far enough down the trail that you see the feature that you're going to want to use the, you know, use your dropper for. So you're going to have to anticipate that. And 
you know, put your weight on the saddle to get it out of the way. So it is the, the there is some skill there, just like with shifting and braking and everything else. I, I would say, yeah, the sooner you can get on a dropper, the better. Last year I was mountain biking out in Oregon with my girlfriend Susan, and we rented some uh, really nice Santa Cruz 5010s from the shop there in Oak Ridge, and um, it had a dropper on it, and she hadn't ridden one yet, and she was like, what is this for? I was like, oh, it's a dropper. You know, you just hit this to get out of the way. She's like, whatever, that's too much. I'm not going to... I'm not going to remember all that. And probably like a mile in, I was waiting for her at the bottom of uh, one of the descents. And she was like, this dropper thing is awesome. Do they make one of these for my bike back home? And I was like, <laughs> they do, but you're not going to like how much it costs. So, yeah, I think uh, there, there is a learning curve there, but it's it's well worth putting in the time. I would say probably the people that are most, uh, I don't know, anti-dropper, but you get the you know, the, the old dogs that don't want to learn new tricks and you get a lot of people that are stuck in their ways and they just say, oh, I've been riding like a straight post for 20 years. I don't need a dropper. Well, you don't need a dropper, but you know, you should at least try one and, you know, give it an honest try. Don't be like just dropping to the top of the hill. You got to use it a lot. I mean, I use my dropper, I don't even know, hundreds of times during a ride. I mean, my post is constantly going up and down. I mean, even on you know the uh, the in-town ride we were doing last night, just rolling up to a stop sign or something while you're you know waiting for traffic to clear you just drop your post and oh, you sit there you know do the that sounds comfy yeah it's nice man it's like uh you know it's like sitting on a harley or something like that it's <laughs> you know even you know cruising down a descent on either if it's on trail or like on pavement or gravel or whatever um i like to drop my post and just kind of give my legs a break like they're you just find ways to use them a lot i guess once you uh once your eyes have been opened to them, which mine are. So, yeah, go get a dropper. Bike drop. Boom. Right on. This has been a great discussion. Really appreciate you guys enlightening me since I'm still dropperless on my bikes. <laughs> we'll get you there one day. Yeah. And if you want to learn more about dropper posts for mountain bikes, be sure to go on single tracks and search for Aaron's Dropper Post Buyer's Guide. That's all we have this week. Talk to you next week. Peace.